Hello, everybody, and welcome. Once again, as we continue on in our study of the New Testament, we're working through uh, the entire New Testament pretty much a chapter at a time, although this particular chapter of the book of John was a little long, so we cut it in two, and uh, we did half of it last week. We're doing half this week, and we've already looked through Matthew and Mark, and we're doing John, and then when we're done with the Gospel of John, we're going to do the Gospel of Luke, and we did them sort of out of sequence so we could do Luke and Acts together, all right? And so uh, that's where we're heading. All of the Gospels have... um, even though there, there are slight differences, and, and John is, is slightly different from Matthew and Mark and Luke, um, because in John we, be, we begin to hear some things about Jesus that we haven't before, and you'll see some of those today. A lot of the I am statements uh, come to us from John, and we'll get some in tonight's reading and in our study. But the, um, the basics are the same. Jesus has come to uh, um, tell people that God wants to have a relationship with them. He, he's come first to the Jews and he's told them that they've kind of, the religious system they put in place is kind of missing the mark and they've reduced God to a series of, of rules and regulations when, and, and in fact they've kept people away from God. And Jesus comes and he begins to talk about salvation and he begins to talk about relationship with a living God. And then and he introduces the, the idea of a very intimate sort of personal relationship with God. He introduces us to terms like Abba, Daddy and and says, this is how we're to relate to God, that you've, you've missed it. You, you've, you've lost the love that was so important in, in the whole process. And, and again, you know, we've talked about the religious leaders, the Pharisees, and I keep wanting to bring this up. I think it's so important that, that we don't just write them off as evil. They started well. They had a, a good mission when they started, um, a couple hundred years before Christ, the Pharisees did, which was to protect Judaism from the influence of the Greeks from having the whole system, uh, it was called being Hellenized, to be transitioned. And so they, they banded together to, to keep Judaism safe, and yet the way they ended up doing that was by instituting more and more rules and laws to the point where no one really could um, have relationship with God anymore. And they'd become so self-righteous in their attempts that they'd lost sight of what it really looked like. So Jesus comes proclaiming the kingdom of heaven is near and telling them that... that uh, that life is found and being offered to them in, in himself, in Christ. We've, we've begun to look in John as he's already made some statements about his deity, that he is, in fact, God who's come. And we have, he's been backing that up with miraculous signs. And last week we talked about the feeding of the 5,000 and, and what that looked like and, and how incredible it was that he did that and that this has attracted the attention of a pretty significant crowd. Now... Um, Following that, and we we touched on it just briefly, Jesus um, uh, leaves the area, and it's where he ends up walking on the water out to his disciples and getting into the boat, and another miracle takes place in that whole process as he uh, shows that he's over nature. And they end up on the other side of the lake, and then shortly thereafter, the crowds find him, and they follow him, and they end up there at the lake. And that's kind of where we pick up um, these next verses. We're going to begin in verse 25 through 71 today. I'm going to go ahead and read that to you. It's there in your notes, or you can open your Bibles if you'd like to follow along. We'll be reading and looking at John 6, 25 through 71. I'll read it, and then we'll talk about it for a few minutes together. John chapter 6, verse 25 and following. When they found him, this was the crowd, on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. 
You are looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come away, will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life, and I will raise Him up at the last day. At this, the Jews began to grumble about Him because they said, because He said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can He now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. I tell you the truth, he who believes has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate the manna in the desert, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood... You have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood is eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Just as a living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your forefathers ate manna and died, but he who feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. From this time, many of his disciples turned back 
and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus replied, Have I not chosen you, the twelve? Yet one of you is a devil. He meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who, through, though one of the twelve, was later to betray him. And blessed be the word of the Lord. Now, just like those people that were listening said, well, this is a hard teaching. <laughs> who can understand it? And think about it. If you were kind of hanging out and you heard someone talking like Jesus did just then, you might have some serious questions. You might have them now because a lot of people look at that and shake their head. And what in the world was he talking about? Remember, though, the, the setting. Because as we saw John 6 unfold last week, one of the things that it says in the first few verses there is that the Passover was near. And not only were they giving us a chronological time frame of what was happening, um, John was setting up the idea that the Jewish people would have in their mind the Passover. And, and in their mind with the Passover, there would be certain ideas and things that they would understand because of the feast. And, and, and so they would be thinking about the lamb's blood and the lamb and the unleavened bread. These would have been the symbols in their mind. And Jesus capitalizes on that with his teaching, but it, it is a difficult teaching to grasp in, in what he means and what's going on. And so we'll, we'll take just a few minutes here and let's, let's look at some of the verses and talk about it uh, in, in what's happening. So, um, and, and remember now, underneath all this, these people had just been fed and they liked it. Because it was, if you would, it was, it was a meal without work, which was a big deal. And they had already made the connection in this process um, that, that Jesus was perhaps um, the prophet that Moses had prophesied that one would who'd come from, from them, who would lead them out of bondage. And just the way Moses had led his people out of the bondage of the Egyptians and fed them in the desert, Jesus had just fed them in the desert and they were under bondage to the Romans and they assumed that, that he would be the one who could deliver them from this bondage. And, and, and so they said, they, they came to him and they tried to force him to become king. Now, remember, I told you that, that that's where this thing begins to fall apart because the king is the one who leads and, and the people obey the king. The people don't come in and demand that the king do what they want. That's an upside-down situation, right? And so they really didn't want to obey Jesus. They wanted to use Jesus for two things. Freedom from bondage, free meals. <laughs> Have that in your mind as Jesus then flips his whole thing on them because he knows what their motive is. And he begins to talk about the meal that he really offers. And most of them don't want to hear it or can't understand it. And in the very end, even the disciples, the, the guys that he picked, get it, they don't get this either. But Simon answers for all of them and says, where else would we go? We know you, you're it. We know that you're it. We don't get any of this. But we're going to stick with you. It's a, it's a picture of faith. Because they're not sure what it all means. But the, the rest of them just took off. There was no free meal. The fish sandwiches obviously weren't coming. No. We're gone. And now you're just talking crazy. And, and he wouldn't perform on command. He wouldn't do what they wanted to do. So they left. A lot of people still do that with Jesus. Anyway, 
So in John 35 through 40, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. One of these big I am statements that we're going to get in the book of John that Jesus makes. I am the bread of life. Remember, I am in itself is a very significant um, statement uh, 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 claiming deity. And he says, I am the bread of life. And what, what's happening here is that, that what we find out in those verses is that God will, in, in Jesus, keep on supplying that which sustains our new life. Um, we can be sure that, that um, Jesus will extend God's grace to us in a daily experience of eternal life as well as in a permanent relationship with God. See, see that's what he's getting at. He's talking about sustaining the new life that he brings. And he's telling people, if you embark on a new life with me, then I will sustain that life. And it's a spiritual, eternal type of of sustaining that he's going to. He's taking this whole conversation to a a complete uh, different level in the process. And and so um, uh, remember that, that we're reading is about life sustained here. All right, and 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 uh, what eternal life is really all about. And he's talked in those previous chapters when we looked with Nicodemus and the woman at the well. He's brought up the topics of eternal life and how it's found in him and how it's offered to them in the process. And so um, the the people, though, like I told you, they they came looking for a sign. He won't give them a sign, and and he's trying to change their focus then to not be on the food that perishes, but on this food which endures to eternal life. He says, I am the bread of life. Now, he, he goes on in the next few verses in 41 through 51, and he, he makes this statement, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Pretty interesting sort of a thing that he's making here. And, and he's making now a direct reference to the manna that they had asked about. Um, and in effect, the manna that God provided during the exile in the desert there was a, a picture, a foreshadowing of Jesus as the living bread. Um, and when, when God's people traveled through that wilderness, they had to depend on God to provide their food supernaturally. The, the, they, they had to get the concept down that God was the source of life. And, and for them it was physical life. But Jesus is saying, you have to know that I am the source for your eternal life, for your spiritual life. And in that whole concept, there's another great sort of thing that you need to see too. Um, when, when the manna came, they were only allowed to gather enough for a day. And, and that was so that every day they had to depend on God. Every day they had it reinforced that He was the source of life. And we need to understand that see that was about relationship god could have just taken care of it and the people wouldn't have cared but but in this manner he was he was showing them the importance of a daily relationship with god one that is that big a part of our life see we um most of us i'm not saying everybody but most of us particularly in this country we don't we don't necessarily we might in some manner but i'm talking about in the simplest sense of the form we don't necessarily depend on god for our food even though he's the source because we have grocery stores and and we have restaurants and we have other things happening but but i i tell you from visiting other countries that don't have the same setup every meal they have to depend on god for 
because they don't have it. They don't have a backup. They don't have a pantry full of food. They don't have a situation. There's nowhere to go and get it. If God somehow doesn't provide for them in a physical sense, they go hungry. And, and I've been to those places. There's lots of them where they pray earnestly for God to provide. And watch God supernaturally provide in ways that we can't even begin to understand. But he's, he's faithful to do it. But it's a day-by-day, moment-by-moment situation. At some level, they are far more in tune generally than we are because we don't always get like that. We have... Um, if we're not careful, we tend to sort of go to God when we need something and, and we forget that we need Him for the very breath that we breathe. Um, it's our mindset. So we have to be very careful of this whole process or we, we become very complacent and we don't always necessarily get the idea of having to connect with God every day, every moment, all the time, that He's the source of life, that apart from Him we can do nothing. And, and the, you know, we have to be aware of this, what's happening, and He's demonstrating this to His people there in the desert by not allowing them to gather more manna than they needed. Understand, see, the other thing is, it's, it's a reflection of our sin nature that always wants more than it needs. Do you know that? That, that if we didn't have this sin nature, we, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't feel like that. We wouldn't feel like we had to hoard and grab and hang on to and tighten what if and, and what if we don't have it. And, and that's all part of the sin nature that God works out of us. We, we have to get to a place of understanding that God is God and that he takes care of us. And, and Jesus is prominent. I'll take care of you forever. Now, you know, does that mean three meals a day? It may not. It depends. For some of us, it means more meals a day, <laughs> at least for now. But, but you never know when that might change. But, but the promise is eternal and spiritual, and he's got us. And he, he's driving home this point. Listen, what I have to offer you, is what he's telling the people, is far better than the fish sandwiches you got yesterday. And yet what you really care about is fish sandwiches. And he says, you're missing the point. And he's trying to get them to change their focus. And so he takes this thing to this whole other level. And, and because in these... In verses 52 through 59, this is what messes everybody up. In, in those verses, he says, you have to eat the flesh of the Son of Man. Now, that's weird, right? You know, apart from having some sort of understanding, that just sounds strange. And the people didn't get it. What are you talking about? What do you mean? Now, in part, this is a reference to the communion ordinance that Jesus would give and leave to us at the Last Supper. And he's introducing part of it here in this story. This is my body. He says, isn't that given for you? This is my blood which is poured out for you. But even more than that, in this point, um, he's using body and blood to represent everything needed to sustain and support life. And that it's all found in Christ. See, at some level, when we take communion on, on the weekends, what we're saying is, and we're reminding, that, that everything that we need for life is found in Christ. Everything. Everything. And, and all summarized in, in the idea of um, body and blood in the process. It's all found in Christ. And then in those last few verses of John 6, 60-71, the crowds that had come hoping for more free food, ultimately that's what they were hoping for. Uh, understand that was a big deal. Food without work was a good thing. Because it took a lot of work to get food. And they'd gotten a free meal and they wanted to see if there was more free meals coming. But uh, 
when that doesn't happen and when he teaches what he teaches and, and offers them something far greater and yet something they, they don't have eyes to see, faith to take in, they leave. And they begin to leave. You know, from, from this point on in the ministry, the crowds thin out. Uh, and and at, at this point, he gets down to these 12 guys again. And one of them, he already knows, is a mess, but he's got them along for the ride. And, and I think it's a heartfelt question when he looks at these guys and he says, what about you? You going to go? And, and like I said, Peter's reply as he speaks up for the rest of them is, is so passionate. Where would we go? You have the words of life, eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Huge faith statement. Because trust me, they didn't get, we know for a fact because of the way that they work out the rest of the thing, they weren't sure of everything that he was talking about. But they had enough faith in him to know that, that they needed to follow him and that they'd figure it out as they went. And, and so they stay with him in the process. They knew that they could trust him and that they could follow him. I, I think there's times in our own lives when, when we might not fully understand, but we know that he's good and we need to follow and we need to obey. And then he kind of shows us along the way. And, and uh, you know, there, there are those things that come up. And, uh, and they sort of make more sense as you go. I, I, sometimes I have people come and they ask me a lot of questions because they're just getting into some of the questions. And I say, well, that's, that's a tricky one to answer. They ask those really hard theological questions. And I, I just say, you know, I sort of understand it this way. But, but what you need to know is, is hang on to what you know for sure. And then God sort of illuminates that stuff as you go. And, and I've read the Bible a lot now. And I get new stuff every time I read it. Does that happen to you? It sort of pops open in a new way. And it's not that I haven't read it. It's just now I'm ready for what it's talking about. Now all of a sudden it makes sense. Now all of a sudden, you know, things that I didn't get, that, that you know, for the struggle of, of even thinking about our sin nature and how much of our life is impacted by our sin nature, the, how much of our... our um, uh, what we do without even thinking about it is because we're twisted because of our sin nature. And God has to repair it. That if we'd never experienced sin, um, there'd be so many things that we wouldn't have to struggle with because it, it wouldn't be an issue. But that sort of opens up to you over time. At first, you know, it's just, that's sin, don't do it. <laughs> and then over time, it's like, well, why did you even, why is it even there? And it's because of all this mess that, that needs to be straightened out. And he straightens it over time. So, so these are the things that are happening in these verses. And, you know, my, my thinking is that every time that you have the opportunity to partake of communion, uh, that you think about the fact that Jesus said, I am the bread of life, and that he demonstrated it for us, and that, that he gave his life on the cross that we might have life, and that everything that we need is sustained by him represented by the body and the blood. And that, that as we remember that, it sort of opens us up to um, just this reminder of, you know, we need him so desperately, we can't make it without him. And, and, and start thinking about how important it is on a daily basis to realize that he's the source of life. Um, and, and like I said, we so quickly think that we, we need him on the big stuff. You know, with, without realizing it, what happens is because our society is so secularized, and by that I mean our society wants to put Jesus away on Sundays and say, okay, well, you can have your Jesus on Sunday mornings, but we don't want him anywhere else. 
We don't want him in our governments. We don't want him in our schools. We don't want him in our lives. We don't want him in our televisions. We don't want him anywhere else. Sunday mornings, put him over here. But when the culture bombards you like that all the time, it's very easy to get secularized yourself, even as, as believers, as followers. We sort of start getting about our business and forgetting who the source of life is. So we need to be very much aware that, that, that our focus, we have to get back to the fact that he's the source of life and that every day we have to hang on that and, and, and know that in our lives and not get just sort of bought into and complacent by the things that are happening around us. Okay, that's all I want to say about John chapter 6. And uh, we'll get back into this next time we meet. And, and we're going to pray. If you're watching by video, thanks for watching. And if you need uh, prayer, if you're up in Williston, they'll pray for you there. And, uh, or you can call or write to church and we'll pray for you here. We'd be happy to do that. But uh, we're going to go ahead and pray here and call it a night. Why don't you pass me up your prayer requests if you got them? And I will pray for those with you tonight. Let me encourage you all again to be safe tomorrow night because 